Welcome to the Strengthening a Palliative Approach in Long-Term Care Alliance podcast, exploring challenges and best practices in palliative care approaches for individuals in long-term care. Dr. Melanie Legere is first and foremost a mother of two from New Brunswick. As a full-time palliative care physician since 2017, she works at the Moncton Hospital as well as in the community doing home visits and collaborating with local community nurses and multidisciplinary teams. Dr. Legere also helped develop Moncton's residential hospice, which opened in 2021. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'd like to start by asking you a little bit about your background and how you became involved in long-term care and also palliative care. So I worked as a family physician for a few years and uh, had my family practice from 2013 for about five years or so. Essentially, it was in residency that uh, I really enjoyed palliative care. And so when I started to practice, I joined the palliative care team in our area and started to work there part time. And, you know, eventually kind of realized I really enjoyed it. A full-time position uh, was created and so joined our team here at Horizon in 2017. So we joined full-time palliative care. So, you know, working in hospital and community. And, you know, that would include nursing homes. It felt like it seemed to be a lot of opportunities for education or improvement in terms of palliative care. So we started that myself and a colleague of mine. And then at a conference, met uh, some of the team members from uh, Spa Long-Term Care. So, you know, kind of realized we were working on some of the same initiatives. So we decided to join force. I understand that you've done quite a bit of work on order sets for palliative care. And I'd like to ask you first if you can describe what an order set is. I use the word order set, but sometimes uh, there's different terms that can be used, right? Some people will call them protocols, but an order set to me is essentially order template, right? So sometimes it can include things like uh, directions as far as vitals or, uh, or tests or things like that. It doesn't necessarily only need to be attributed to medications, but simply a template that we use in certain contexts. So for example, in hospital, we may use different types of order set, like there may be a, an order set for pneumonia, right? If a patient comes in with pneumonia, like here, it's kind of like a memory aid to make sure we're not you know, uh, forgetting certain things that we should be ordering, but also kind of a standardization tool so that it makes it as such as um, we're uh, typically ordering the same type of thing, or at least uh, considering or thinking of those. I would assume these are for the whole teams. Everybody on the team knows exactly what they need to order, what needs to happen. So almost a bit of a checklist in a way, right? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, order sets can be quite different one from the other. And I guess it, you know, it depends on the need or what you're you're trying to address. But yeah, absolutely. Sometimes it includes things like consulting social workers. And sometimes it not not necessarily something that is standard and that you sign and everything's included, but you know, in some order sets, it'll be check boxes, right? It'll be you can you can tick off what you want to order, but it's still kind of a a memory aid or something to kind of guide the ordering process. Right. I understand that you've been working on sort of a more standardized template for order sets in palliative care and long term care. 
Can you tell me a bit about that work and what made you decide to, to develop something a bit more standardized? It kind of boils back to the fact that we commonly use order sets in other settings, right? I mean, we have order sets for hospital or order sets in hospice. I think that for me, it was just um, seeing that there was a need there for community and in nursing homes. So I would say that some of our nursing homes do have order sets, right? So some of ours already did, some did, some didn't, uh, and they're not all the same. But, you know, looking at or starting to work with nursing homes and, and this project just made me realize, I guess, how some of these order sets were sometimes dated or, you know, there were some new evidence that there were needs there that weren't being met. But just made me think that maybe many of them would appreciate to, you know, to have it reviewed by palliative care specialists or to make sure that, that it's all kind of up to date or uh, evidence based. We often would get calls from nursing or physicians asking if we had, you know, some sort of a template or order sets or what we tend to use as palliative care physicians. And at some point thought, well, geez, like we should create one or have one that uh, we can share with others. What kind of components were you adding or maybe taking away in some of these order sets? I think that for the most part, not necessarily removing a lot, but uh, was some missing pieces, just mainly some uh, symptoms sometimes lacking, right? Uh, in saying that sometimes certainly depending on who, uh, you know, who's your provider, who's going to be uh, doing those orders. I mean, it's not everyone that's comfortable with you know, what to use when and what are the typical doses or things like that. And so kind of nice to have those guides. I think that uh, certain things was not necessarily removing sections, but more so uh, perhaps medications that weren't necessarily evidence-based or sometimes indications that weren't. You know, a lot of people, when we think of nausea a lot of people think about gravel that's kind of the go-to because it's off the shelf people know it that was one thing that uh, mentioned in terms of in palliative care it's not necessarily our first line antiemetic we tend to steer uh, to, to other types of antiemetics and some that are a bit less um, you know cause less sedation I saw in a lot of order set um, the mention around respiratory secretions at end of life and mentioning to use uh, scopolamine or glycopyrrolate when the secretions were, you know, excessive or distressing. But uh, generally, I think when it comes to treating that type of symptoms, I mean, it, it warrants education and, and trying to decide with families what they want or don't want. Not necessarily that it's wrong, but just kind of making little tweaks and changes. The big thing that I'd say would be across the board, or for many of them, was adding quantities and refills so that the order set could double as a prescription for pharmacy. Mm. So a lot of the order sets were, you know, order sets for the facility, uh, but not necessarily one that uh, you could, you know, send to pharmacy as a prescription. So my sense is just, I love good bang for your buck. <laughs> but, you know, we're all busy. So if you can fill out one thing that would uh, would double as both. And I thought that that would be quite useful, certainly even in community. Um, so I really tried, to, I, you know, I really just wanted 
to try to see if we could have an order set that would work in general for long-term care, but also for community. And I see the benefit both to the patient and to the staff. The patient is seeing consistent care, high-quality care, but staff also have a way of really consistently delivering that care, right? Right. So, you know, it being also, you know, in some way, a bit of an education tool, right? So if it's like, we're not sure, and the prescriber seems quite hesitant and prescribes something, and then, you know, the person administrating the medication is questioning if the the order was appropriate or not, and that type of thing, you know, it can create a lot of angst and uncertainty or hesitancy around that. I generally find that when it comes to order set, then when, you know, it's something that you're very used to seeing and you get to be very familiar with the types of dosing or medications that are recommended. And I mean, an order set is still a starting point, right? It's not to catch all, right? So there'll be other things to, to prescribe or there'll be, there'll be changes uh, along the line, but at least it's a starting point and, and for someone to at least have that bit of information to start with. Yeah, for sure. And, and I see this in long-term care, but you also mentioned community, so people maybe who are at home. How does it work there and is it different? Uh, because you don't have a whole team obviously at home, but you may right. be working with a family member who's caring for somebody and you're giving them instruction, right? Yeah. For us in New Brunswick, I mean, in community, generally our palliative patients are followed by a multidisciplinary community team that supports our patients out in the community. But we give the orders to them. And then, um, you know, in collaboration with us or the nursing team, then they're giving instructions to family members or caregivers. Every patient and every caregivers or supports are different. So we have patients that, you know, have large families or people that are very willing and that, you know, they're going to do all sorts of things. And sometimes there's patients that are on their own, right? And they, they may not have great supports or circles of caregivers. So I think that makes a big difference in terms of what we're able to do in the community. As far as, you know, is the caregiver comfortable with administering, you know, subcute medications? Nursing would drop syringes and prepare them and set up butterflies so that the families would essentially just need to twist on and administer a medication. And, you know, they would provide quite, uh, you know, coaching and things like that, but still not an easy task. So, I mean, we try to be very mindful of that and support families as best as we can. Yeah. It sounds like a real partnership for someone to be able to go in and, you know, and say to a caregiver, you know, we'll make it easy for you, you know, and here, here are the things you need to do. And, you know, there's really good, if there's an organized effort, they might feel a lot more comfortable about caring and, and being able to keep someone at home as opposed to going to, you know, what you talked about, the chaos of a, of a hospital and everything going on. Absolutely. And from my perspective, quite well organized in the fact that it's like, it's having someone on call all the time, right? So, you know, if something happens and it's overnight, they can communicate with providers or whoever needs to be. So how do people access the templates that you've developed? Currently, it's still new and in the works. We're now connecting with all the nursing homes uh, in our province who want to be part of the project. And so we're going through certain education projects and things, so modules and LEAP and all sorts of things. And so the order set will be part of that. 
So what we're doing currently is I'm going through all the different order sets that I was submitted just to give some feedback on their own. We're going to have it through our peer office and generally all our providers are familiar in terms of how to reach our office. We have some provincial committees going on to review certain things as far as palliative care in our province, including things like order sets. I created that with the tools that I had, but, you know, wanting to make sure that having all our partners on board, so, you know, both health authorities and, and our extramural colleagues and everyone just kind of uh, for all the stakeholders to have a peek at the order set too and, and feedback and, and perhaps make some changes. That's great. Thank you so much for speaking with me today, Melanie. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to the Strengthening a Palliative Approach in Long-Term Care podcast. For more information about our project, visit spawnltc.ca.